The following show is for informational purposes only. Individual situations may vary, and the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Welcome to Discovering Responsible Wealth. This is Frank Congelos with our guest today, Bob Farrell. Bob, always good to see you. Always, always good to be here, Frank. So we're sitting here at the beginning of the fourth quarter of 2022, and it's been an interesting ride to say the least. Yeah, very interesting. It's a pretty volatile year. You know, if we sat here in January, you know, we never would have thought that we'd be sitting here looking at interest rates dramatically different. Uh, stocks and bonds both down for the year. In fact, I received, you know, breakdown from, you know, one of the companies that we do a lot of work with, with BlackRock. And one of the things in this that I thought was interesting is, you know, they were talking about pretty much almost every asset class is down year to date. Yeah, it's, it's really been a challenge um, for the entire market. Uh, it's, it's kind of interesting if you would think back in January, what was on our mind as to what could impact the market was a potential war in the Ukraine, right? Not even a war and how expeditious and how quick it would be. And we also talked about energy prices and talked about supply chain. And if you think about what has impacted the economy more than anything, it's something that we really weren't talking about nine months ago with interest rates. And, and it's been a very you know, volatile year. Yeah. Now, in saying that, you know, we certainly don't take it lightly. Um, and, you know, from time to time, I'll have people that'll call up and they'll go, Frank, you know, what do you think we should do? Should we sell? Should we, you know, go to the sidelines? And one of the things that I always tell people is, is you know, and I've been doing this now 40 years, mm -hmm. you know, and I always couldn't say I started when I was 10. Uh, but <laughs> in, in doing it as long as I have, you know, you've been through or I've been through many recessions before. Um, we've been through, you know, many different crisis, you know, whether it's the financial crisis, the dot-com bubble, uh, the SNL. Um, Geopolitical events, right? Yeah, but, yeah. There's so many that we've been through and, and it always, and by the way, they're always, it's always something different right up until, you know, look at COVID two years mm -hmm. ago, it's always something different, but the end result kind of ends up the same way, which is, you know, typically, you know, if we go into a market correction or you go into a bear market, and, you know, historically, bear markets are significantly shorter than bull markets. Mm -hmm. The recoveries, you know, and so forth can happen very quickly. But to grit it out and sit through it is not always the most comfortable. It's like being on a roller coaster. And it's like at times you're losing your stomach and all of a sudden it flattens out for a while. You go back up for a little bit. And, and, it, and in the course of this cycle, at the end of the day, it's all part of a cycle. It is, and it's really tough as an investor not to take a trader's mentality. And, you know, I, I tell people all the time that we only see that happen in a down market. That it, when the market continues to go higher, nobody has a trader's mentality because, of course, they're enjoying the ride. But conversely, everybody has a trader's mentality when it starts going down. And it, do you ever get calls when the market's going higher to say, do you think we should get out versus when the market's going lower? You think we, and it's just, and a lot of that is just emotion. 100%. And, and the reality is, is, you know, for the type of planning that we do, and for, I would say, 99.9% .9 of our clients, mm -hmm. um, the investing that we're doing for people is part of a bigger plan. And when I talk about that bigger plan is we're usually talking about time horizons of 10 and 20 years and 30 years. Um, 
they're sitting down with people at you know 40 years old and talking to them about you know what this was going to look like over their lifetime or they're seeing people like us that are you know late 50s early 60s and we're talking about you know what this is going to play like but you know when you look at life expectancy it's like you're talking about still 20 and 30 oh, yeah. time horizons yeah i think the only difference is when you're talking about somebody in their 40s you're talking about staying in the market for the better part of 25 years versus in your 50s you're staying in the better part for 15 years and obviously it goes down the older you go and and you know the whole point you know when we're bringing this up to people is is that um the market will continue to have these cycles never fun when we're in them we know that uh, it's always gritting it out you know you almost get to the point where you don't want to look at the news or you don't want to look on your phone and just go yeah does it light up green or does it light up red i, I can't I tell you how many people button? that i talk to that are friends some clients some not that they don't look at their statement and they just don't want to and and you know what i and i agree with that if you if it helps you to sleep better and takes that worry out or that anxiety out mm -hmm. because you know, the question becomes one of time, which is, well, if we knew when it was going to turn around, it'd be easy. Yeah. You know, it's like if you knew when the ride ended, you, you, can, well, grit, knows. you can grit it out. Yeah. And so, you know, we can't predict it. All that we can say is, is that, you know what, we've been through these cycles many times before. And so with that in mind, there are some interesting opportunities also right now. Oh, yeah. yeah. This is volatility in the market is not uncommon. And I think that's probably we've reiterated that it feels awful but it's not uncommon nasdaq's down 30 percent year to date or 29 percent but nasdaq was down 34 percent year to date on friday and and just think about how quickly that kind of ratcheted back now it could go down 40 it might be down 20 it might be unchanged nobody knows um yep. but it's an emotional roller coaster that it's very very difficult to manage um we do know that long term diverse equity portfolio makes a lot of sense to accumulate wealth um, but it never looks like a line that continues to go up no it's up not a up. smooth ride it's not a smooth ride and right now we're going through a period with some of the factors that most notably inflation that are influencing the economy that has the market scared a little bit and to me i think the one thing that has the most important thing the market is scared about is interest rates um, and we've talked about this before. Interest rates impact companies that have more debt than most. What companies tend to have more debt? They are smaller companies that aren't as mature. And that's why NASDAQ is down close to 30%, and the S&P is only down 20%, and the Dow is only down 16%, right? More developed companies, less debt. Um, conversely, when there is access to free capital, money's cheap these companies tend to outperform and that's why you know a portfolio diversity side it's really important to have a little small cap a little mid cap a little large cap a little growth a little value to ensure that you're participating on all sides so so bob you know for our listeners and you know and you know again we don't know how long this will last you know but you know we do know it's a cycle and hopefully it's a short cycle because we'd all prefer that <laughs> and you know having said that there are some interesting you know things that we're seeing now that we haven't seen in a long time and you know when i say that is you know in particular we'll start with interest rates yeah so i think we hit this or last week u.s government two-year notes at a 20-year high um you're talking about rates that we haven't seen in a long period of time now part of me thinks that 
we had more than ample opportunity. The Federal Reserve had more than ample opportunity to raise rates, and they elected not to because they thought inflation was going to be transitory. And they're clearly behind the eight ball, and they need to get away to control inflation. And the traditional way to control inflation is raising interest rates. You pass on money the Federal Reserve cost the bank to borrow overnight, and they will then pass along that cost to the consumer. Raising interest rates will slow demand, slow borrowing, and that should control the economy. Um, the challenge for the market right now is we continue to get CPI and PPI, which is producer price index and consumer price index reports that aren't changing significantly, even with the increase in rates. And that's why the market has suffered, because the Fed has gone to I think a neutral rate of two and a half percent to where the market is pricing today, that rate to be close to four and a half percent in May of next year. Um, that number is far greater than most would have anticipated in the beginning of this year. And it has manifested itself with lower equity values and lower bond values. So, you know, when we look at that, you know, one of the things that I've seen, you know, that we've been helping people a lot with recently, and you can also speak to this is, you know, there have been people that have been sitting with money sitting in checking accounts, savings accounts, sitting in banks, um, getting very low interest rates. And all of a sudden now, you know, we're seeing, you know, right down to, you know, possible, you know, we're CD rates and uh, the treasuries are, you know, three and four percent. Yeah, it's and U.S. government to your notes are four ten. And, you know, it's like, you know, you haven't seen that before, but most people have still been sitting on that cash. And, you know, yet this is a time that you might want to start looking at things of that nature because they're safe and they pay a nice return. It creates an opportunity and, and, and money has, sitting in the bank has made money. And for years, people have been taught that if money's sitting in the bank and earning nothing, you need to invest it. Um, anybody who has accumulated cash to invest, even short term for some kind of return, you have three and six month CDs that are paying three and a half percent. You have corporate bonds that are trading at four and five percent. You have long term corporate bonds that are north of six percent. You have municipal bonds somewhere between four and five percent. And you're talking about that same asset class that might have been one or two percent 18 months ago. So, you know, for our listeners, one of the messages that you should have as a takeaway is, is that the environment today looks dramatically different than it has over the last several years. And that yields of what you can actually get on bonds, which are forms of fixed income, are pretty attractive right now for, you know, people that have it, you know, access for that. There's no question. Um, you kind of talk about what makes you feel good in this market. and. Yet equity valuations often feel rough, but it's a struggle, but it's part of the investing process. The two things that I highlight to clients that make put kind of a, a better picture into this is if you have money sitting on the side, your money's more valuable to be able to invest in a very stable asset. Interestingly, the other thing that they don't realize is often their liability becomes the most attractive asset. People that have taken a mortgage out over the last five years that have a mortgage rate of somewhere in the two to three percent, even though it's a liability, the replacement cost is six percent. And that, which your debt That's service would deal. be double what you're paying right now. So a fixed liability becomes a really good asset for somebody. And when you frame it that way for people, they realize that, wow, if I had to take that same mortgage out today, I'd be paying six and eight, and I was able to get in at two and seven eighths. That's value, because I will tell you that 
If I own one mortgage like a bank would, they're marking that at 70 cents on the dollar today. It's a great perspective. Because of you've been the beneficiary to pay a low rate for a long period of time. So great insight. Yeah. And then you know, on our equity holders, you know, which are people that have those diversified portfolios and you know they're in accumulation or they're nearing retirement. Um, you know, and again, you know, bear markets come to an end and it can happen quickly. Yeah. And when it happens quickly, you know, when we look at you know what's occurred over time, and there's a lot of statistics out that for any of our listeners, if they want, we can certainly you know send them the graphs and the pie charts and everything else that show it. But the reality is, is that, you know, if, if you liked equities and a managed portfolio a year ago or in January and so forth, um, those portfolios will come back. It's just a matter of time. But yet, if I was also young and I'm looking at, you know, what to do with money over time, not a bad entry point for that growth you know, person to start looking at putting money into the markets mm -hmm. and putting money away for their, for their future, whether it be in retirement accounts you know, 401ks, whatever the case might be. No question. And you, you talk about like trying to time or not time the market. You look at where we were on Friday and where we are today. Less than two trading days as we sit here and it's two. Today the market has moved, fourth, right? Yes. The market's, NASDAQ has moved 6% in two days. And what changed? Yes, there were a couple of central banks around the world that kind of came out and said maybe they're not going to be as aggressive with what is priced in the market. No, there's no guarantee they're not going to be. They just kind of reference it. But something as simple as that gave the market comfort and all of a sudden you have this rebound that it's going to maybe hold true with the Federal Reserve. Um, so the same audience of people that were looking to dump on Friday because they couldn't stomach it would have missed the 6% rebound. And that's a very, very significant number. And that's why the emotional component of this um, really needs to be have an advisor help you with this. Because picking up points in time is very, very tough to gauge. And market timing is very difficult. It's a great insight. And you know, the, the couple of you know interesting things as you were saying that is, you know, one of the things I always tell people is is, you know. We all like to stay, you know, current, what's going on and so forth. But if I'm putting on the news, you know, and you were bringing this up at a meeting yesterday, you know, I could put on ABC, NBC, CNN, uh, Fox, or any of them. 99% of what you get is usually negative. <laughs> and very rarely do you get the positive thing on the news. And if it's, it's, it's normally the thing, at, if it's a, an hour news program, it's normally the last five minutes. <laughs> exactly. So one little positive thing, they recognize they somebody at the last two minutes right. or whatever. So, you know, what I tell people is, is, you know, we always talk about living in the moment, but, you know, when you're in front of the news all the time like that, it really can give you a very pessimistic view of mm -hmm. what's occurring in the world. And at the end of the day, you know, capitalism, which is, you know, what the markets really represent, which is people growing and building businesses and, you know, the, you know, the economy and the future of the economy. You know, I was on a uh, conference call last week and they had a gentleman speak and uh, his name is Nick Murray. You know, he's been around forever. And he said, you know, if you look back at the S&P 500, you know, back to, and he was going 1969. And I thought to myself, I was like, hmm, I was eight years old back in yes. 1969. <laughs> And I think the number that he gave, it, it was under 100. Oh, yeah. And then he goes, and look at where it is today. And he goes, 
and think of how many recessions we had during then and everything else. And it's one of those of, you know, you look back and it's like, okay, the last time the market was down and don't go to COVID, but you know, take any of those. Can any, can you tell me what actually happened and how long it lasted? And most people would look and say, I have no idea. Yeah. So to focus on just the moment that we're in, recognizing that, you know, we're talking about timeframes of 10 and 20 and 30 years, this is going to pass. It's going to be another blip on the chart over time. And it, it, it is what it is. But again, we recognize not comfortable when you're in it. it it's not comfortable. And I, I think you need to be cognizant of it as well. Absolutely. Um, I, I think could the market continue to go lower? Sure. Could the Federal Reserve be a lot more aggressive than people anticipate? They could. Um, I personally think that what's pricing the market is reasonable right now. But if we continue to get inflation prints that are appreciably higher than what the Fed is comfortable with, and labor participation doesn't change, and energy prices don't change, we're going to get into stagflation. Um, the Fed doesn't want to see that. And they're going to try to navigate through it. But the only tool that they can use is monetary policy. They can't do anything fiscally. Um, with that said, though, I, I think it creates an opportunity to agree that, as you talked before, the landscape of interest rates is so different than where it was. And maybe it prompts a conversation. I can tell you that, personally, when you start thinking about stable assets north of 5%, maybe even 6%, versus taking risk in the market, depending on somebody's age, and looking to get 7 or 8 maybe one reallocates a little bit. Um, because you didn't have a choice for years. If you needed some asset for any appreciation, whether it's income appreciation, capital appreciation, Just keep up with inflation. you have to keep up with inflation. Um, what the Federal Reserve is doing right now is giving some investors an opportunity. And I think that when you hear interest rates are going up, to actually take a step back and, and see bonds that are out there that are 6.5%, that's a reasonable return that with reasonable safety rather than taking risk in other asset classes. Great insight. And then, so if we were sitting here, you know, because we're in the fourth quarter and we're talking about, you know, are there certain things that we might want to be doing right now? Um, obviously, that's one of them, which is looking at where you're at. I would say reallocating and not re rebalancing. And ensure you're always rebalanced because different assets have classes have moved significantly. Vanguard's long-term bond fund is down 35% this year. That's staggering. And it's not a reflection of Vanguard, it's just a reflection of It has nothing to do with Vanguard. It's just a reflection of where the market is. When interest rates, first of all, it's a long maturity holding. And when interest rates move that significantly, it's going to impair the value, just the pure time value of money. But you need to have that asset class. And unless, so you have an asset class that potentially is down 35 or 40%, and the S&P is down 20%. So if you have a portfolio that's balanced, you need to find a way, and it's 50-50, now all of a sudden, one is 40, one's 60. You know, active rebalancing is a really good idea in this environment to assure that you're touching every asset class. And the other one, too, is that for people, if for a non-retirement account, non-qualified account, mm -hmm. um, perhaps, you know, this is a year to look at some tax-less harvesting, no you know, which is... You know, seeing where you might have a loss in the portfolio, taking a deduction this year, and you know, reallocating back in or buying a like type asset, a like type asset. Mm -hmm. You know, so that you know, if I had a Vanguard S and P five hundred, and you know, I was underwater or whatever, I could sell that, take a loss, but then I can go and buy a Fidelity or somebody else's S and P five hundred or something else that we can match into a BlackRock or yeah, somebody. I, I think tax. Uh, there's so many choices right now with different assets and different ETFs and mutual funds. 
that can effectively take very comparable risk without buying that name again, um, it becomes a lot easier to do tax harvesting. And, and if you are going to buy the same asset, then you do have the wash. Then you have a wash. Got to wait right? thirty days yeah. and so forth before you purchase it back. But just you know, for our, you know our clients and our friends that are listening to this, we just want to give you you know where are the opportunities, and the opportunities are you know right there. Looking at fixed income, tax loss harvesting. Uh, you know, if you've got money on the sideline and it is long term, it's growth oriented, not a bad time to have a nice allocated portfolio using equities, mm -hmm. looking at the long term, because, you know, historically equities have done great over the years. Yeah. Um, and then the last thing I just would mention is, is one of the things that really does take the pressure off of people uh, and take some of that worry out is liquidity and liquidity and making sure that you have, you know, appropriate emergency funds, um, having money that are in short-term assets so that, you know, if you're living off a portfolio or whatever the case might be, not having to liquidate a bond in a down market or an equity in a down market, being able to utilize that cash or cash equivalent elsewhere to allow the portfolio the time to recover yeah. is really a key to, you know, having, you know, yeah, a uh, good overall return. I think I'm the same. Having a buffer to meet cash needs is so important because the last thing you need is to have to liquidate in a market that's underperforming because then your sequence of cash flows become really you don't have the ability to recoup it because you took you know you took money out of it so having a buffer of liquidity is paramount in this environment great insight mm -hmm. so for all of our listeners um it was a pleasure catching up with you and just giving you some perspectives you've been listening to bob farrell and i'm frank congelos so everybody have a great week, great month, and we look forward to catching up with you again very soon. Thank you. Advisors of the Institute of Responsible Wealth may be licensed for investment and insurance products. The Institute of Responsible Wealth is an educational division of CNA Financial Group. CNA Financial Group and its advisors are an agency or an agent of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, New York, New York. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, LLC, member FINRA, SIPC. Park Avenue Securities is a direct, wholly owned subsidiary of Guardian. The Institute of Responsible Wealth and CNA Financial Group are not affiliates or subsidiaries of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Park Avenue Securities, Guardian, or CNA Financial Group, and opinions stated are their own. Diversification does not guarantee profit or protect against market loss. All investments contain risk and may lose value. Investing in the bond market is subject to certain risks, including market, interest rate, issuer, credit, and inflation risk. Equities may decline in value due to both real and perceived general market, economic, and industry condition. Investing in foreign securities may involve heightened risk, including currency fluctuation, less liquid trading markets, greater price volatility, political and economic instability, less publicly available information, and changes in tax or currency laws. Such risks may be enhanced in emerging markets. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. Data and rates used were indicative of market conditions as of the date shown. Opinions, estimates, forecasts, and statements of financial market trends are based on the current market conditions and are subject to change without notice. 
References to specific securities, asset classes, and financial markets are for illustrative purposes only and do not constitute a solicitation, offer, or recommendation to purchase or sell a security. Past performance is not a guarantee of future results. S&P 500 Index is a market index generally considered representative of the stock market as a whole. The index focuses on the large cap segment of the U.S. equities market. Indices are unmanaged, and one cannot invest directly in an index. 2022-144-997